From time to time on Living Truth Radio, we have other pastors who share from the Word of God. And one of the voices that you'll hear from time to time is Pastor Chris Van Hook. Pastor Chris has a great insight into the Word of God. He teaches the Word of God, writes devotions, writes books, and he is going to be teaching us on today's broadcast. So here's Pastor Chris. Tune on in and tell a friend. Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis chapter 19, verse 27. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. Now I want you to put yourself in Abraham's place. Remember, Abraham had, had made this bargain with God that if there were ten righteous people, the city would not be destroyed. Now I personally think that he made the bargain like this for a specific reason. I think he wasn't sure if Lot was a righteous man. And so he at least said, there's got to be ten there. So if there's ten there, he might have been thinking maybe somebody other than Lot is righteous there. We don't know that for sure. But it's certainly a possibility. Now Abraham's looking out. And you know, I, I thought of this, I don't know if any of you, I live up, by Mountain Gate Park, and I have a little deck up there, and when there are fires out in the mountains, you know, I can stand on that deck, and oftentimes I can see the smoke and sometimes even the flame. I remember even one time my mom was driving across the 71, and fire broke out on both sides of the hill there. And she was on her cell phone with me, and I was standing there, watching the smoke from exactly where she was. And what a horrible feeling that was. And I imagine that's how Abraham must have felt. He couldn't have known yet whether Lot was dead or alive. But God was merciful to Lot and Abraham. Verse 29 says, So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, He remembered Abraham. And that's important. He remembered Abraham. And he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. I think it speaks to God's love for Abraham as well as Lot. Now I think that one of the most overlooked accounts of Lot's life is this, and I'll be honest with you, as many commentaries as I read when I prepare to do a study, not one commentary spoke about this. It's very overlooked. And that is that as we look at the life of Abraham and how he deals with Lot, Abraham becomes a type of God the Father. You say, oh, how's that possible? Well, we're not saying Abraham was a perfect man by any means. We know he made a lot of mistakes. That's not what we're saying. But in the actions he took towards his nephew Lot, he demonstrated the love of God the Father. Look back and think about it. First, he adopted Lot, who was his nephew, when Lot was in need. He was an orphan. He took him in and he treated him like a son. 
And he loved him dearly. Galatians 4, 4 through 4-7 says this, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Boy, that speaks to what Abraham did for Lot. He was an heir to Lot. Lot took care of him. He adopted him. Ephesians 1, 5 and 6 says this, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. So Abraham is a type of God the Father in this. And then we think about this. Abraham gave Lot everything he needed to be successful and he gave him everything he needed to follow the Lord. Now it's interesting, in Isaiah 5, God speaks of Israel as a vineyard. And he says to Israel, being represented by this vineyard, he has done everything for the vineyard to help it bear good fruit. And you can look back in that. It's a really great chapter to read. Um, God gave this vineyard everything it needed to be successful. But in Isaiah 5, 3 and 4, it says... Judge between me, God, and my vineyard, which is Israel. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? And it's a rhetorical question. It's God saying, I have done everything for you. And yet, the, the allegory is that the vineyard produced only sour grapes. Even though God had given it every opportunity to produce great fruit, it only produced sour grapes. Once again, Abraham provided everything Lot needed to be successful, to prosper, and to know the Lord. He must have felt the same way that God did about Israel. The third way in which Abraham was a type of God the Father is he rescued Lot from a life of what would most likely have been slavery to worldly kings. And he set him free. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For He, God, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, God sets us free as well. We would live a life in, in slavery to sin if it were not for what Jesus did for us. So God rescued us out of a life of slavery. And Abraham had rescued Lot out of a life of slavery and set him free. So it's a really neat thing to think about. You know, what God does for us is so similar as to what Abraham did for Lot. And he gives us every opportunity to prosper and to follow him. Well, if we look at the overall themes in this chapter, and again, we're not covering the last few verses um, just because of sake of time, but there's four major themes that I think that we should look at in what we read here tonight. 
The first one is, God is speaking to us and He's saying, do not get attached to the world and its wicked ways. 1 John 2, 15-17, you could turn there if you want. 1 John 2, 15-17. Here's our instructions. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world is passing away, and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. And then in Mark 8, Mark 8, 35 and 36, it says this, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what is a profit for a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? I know you're familiar with these verses. Well, we can see certainly Lot had become attached to his life in Sodom. He was entrenched in it, and it had a great effect on his relationship with the Lord. And we have to realize that we're no different than Lot. It's not necessarily about where we're living. I know a lot of people read this and go, okay, well, what, what do I do? You know, do I pick up and move because I'm in a dark place? Well, you know what? <laughs> Anywhere we move in this world today is a dark place. Where could we go that isn't a dark place? Now, there are some places darker than others. That's, that's true. But you see, our, our purpose is a little bit different. Because Jesus wants us in the world. He said in his prayer to the Father in John 17, 15, and 16, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So we're told that we are going to be in this world. We can't run away from it. In fact, we're told that instead of running from the world, that we're to be salt and light. In the world, Matthew 5, 13 and 14. And we're told that in this world that we should live a life powered by the Holy Spirit and we should live a godly life which reveals the light of Christ to the world that we live in. We don't have the option of running away. But, that being said, all of us do have to make decisions on what things of the world attract us so much that we need to flee from those things. If it's taking us away from our relationship to the Lord, we might need to move away. And sometimes that could be a physical place. And it may, it may not even be for us, but it may be, and I know that many of you have had to make this decision. Am I going to leave my kids in the public school, or is it so dark? Is it so dark that it's going to affect their relationship with the Lord to a point where I cannot leave them anymore? That's a decision that's a legitimate decision that you may need to make. And I pray for you in that. I did that with my own kids. There was a point where I, working in the public school, know better about what was going on there than anybody. And I chose to have my kids go into a Christian school. You may choose homeschool. You have to make those tough decisions. 
is it, a, is it a place that is so dark that I need to remove myself from it? And that can be true even where you live. You know, I, I would think a lot of people in San Francisco that are Christians would have to make that decision and other places as well. But it also may be that God has placed you in a specific place to bring light to that darkness. And I'd love to give you some more examples, but we don't have the time. You need to make those decisions and you need to seek the Lord. Number two, and this is especially for men, especially men with families, but it applies to all of us. You need to know this. Your compromise will not just affect you, but it will affect your entire family. Your compromise will cause you to lose your witness. It will cause you to lose your credibility. It will cause you to lose your authority. And it will cause you to lose your effectiveness in bringing your children up in the ways of the Lord. I hate to be so blunt, but it's the truth. When you begin to think that it's okay to compromise, and we all struggle with it, we're all tempted to compromise in areas of our life. Oh, this will be okay. And I'm not telling you which ones there are. For some people, it may be what I watch on TV. For some, it may be what I listen to on the radio. Only you can know. But just be sure of this. You will lose all those things if you continue to compromise. And it will affect your family. Lot's life was spared, but his compromise had devastating effects on his family. His wife and his sons-in-laws were destroyed. His daughters, as you'll see when we get into the following verses, had no trust in the Lord whatsoever, but instead reasoned from the wisdom of the world because that's what they had experienced. And it's no different today. Your children will be directly affected by your relationship to the Lord and how serious you are. If we're in compromise, just like Lot's son-in-law, sons-in-law, your kids are going to know it, and they're going to believe that you're not serious about your relationship with the Lord. So it's good for us to regularly examine where we are with the Lord, to look at our walk, to see if there's areas in our life that we're compromising in. And it's good to hear from our brothers and sisters in the Lord and not be defensive if one comes to you and says, hey, brother, sister, I want to talk to you about something that I see in your life. We shouldn't be defensive. We should be praising God that they love us enough to tell us so that we can get out of it. And if that's you tonight, there's a solution. You repent. You turn from it. You confess to the Lord. You receive forgiveness and He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Don't hold on to it. Take care of it. Point number three. God will judge sin. And you can be absolutely certain of that. He will judge sin. Now, I know that most of you know that, and most of you can look back to the Bible and, and you say, I know God judges sin because of the flood. That was our first great example. And this story, this event, is another example. And I know that some of you are going to get ridiculed if you tell any of your friends, God is going to judge sin. <laughs> yeah, right, I've been hearing that for... 50 years? When's it going to happen? 2 Peter 3, 7-9 says this, But by His word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, 
that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God will judge. He's been patient. Let me ask you a question. Anybody in here been saved in the last two years? Anybody? Praise God. Aren't you glad God is patient? Amen. Amen. But He will judge. He has to judge because this is a wicked world and rebellion against Him. And some have said, you know, if God doesn't judge Hollywood, He owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Well, we can look at that because they've certainly been the source of a lot of wicked and evil things. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. You might want to turn there and just follow this because we need to know exactly what's going to happen. I know you've heard it before, but we need to know what's going to happen. In verse 11 it says, Then I saw a great white throne and Him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And I don't want to get into all the theology that's in here because that would be another five messages. But it's evident that God will judge. There will be a final day of judgment and people, unless they're in Jesus Christ, will be judged according to their deeds and there's not one of them who's going to go up there and negotiate with God and say, but I did some good things. Do all my good things outweigh the bad things? No. Did you do one evil thing? The wages of sin is death. And that's a sobering thought. But because God is just, He has to judge man's sin. And the only way to avoid that judgment is by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, I said there was one aspect overlooked. The other overlooked aspect of this account, and praise God, because I don't want to leave you guys in, you know, in depression here. The fourth theme of this, and again, much overlooked, and I think the most important theme is here, God is unbelievably merciful. He's unbelievably merciful as we look at this account. Even with all of Lot's compromise, God saved righteous Lot and two of his daughters. This is amazing. And I actually believe this is more evidence that one cannot lose their salvation. You see why? Because God had declared that Lot was righteous. When God declares you righteous, He will save you. But let's look a little more closely. Even though Lot chose to stay in the sinful city, he was choosing willingly to not participate in the actual sin. 
Now, he put himself in a bad place, but he was not choosing to participate in the sin of the city, which he easily could have, couldn't he? We don't want to look how, overlook how important that fact is. You see, even though he was compromised, he had not, as Romans 1 says, given himself over to the sin. Remember, Peter said that the sin of the city tormented Lot. And I know that many of you, and probably all of you, are tormented every day like I am when we see a lot of the things that are going on in this world. We were certainly tormented on Sunday morning. The Bible makes it clear that if you continually practice sin, and you're not convicted of that sin, then you're not in Christ. Lot may have compromised, but he was not practicing sin continually. 1 John 3, 9 and 10 says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, we're not talking about perfection. We're not saying we're not going to fall. We are. Everybody knows that. But we're talking about practicing in a matter of lifestyle and really not caring and almost challenging God to do something about it. And I look at this and I say, If God saved Lot, even in his compromised state, how much more assurance do we need that God will save us as well? I love Hebrews 7.25. Hebrews 7.25 says this about Jesus, our Savior and High Priest. It says, Therefore He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Saves us to the uttermost. I just love that. Titus 3, 5-8 says this, He saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, not our works, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's amazing. God's mercy is amazing. God's mercy couldn't be more wonderful. And you know what else about God's mercy it tells us in the Bible? It's new every morning. And I always say praise God for that because I use all those mercies up every day. And I look forward to having that new mercy tomorrow morning. I'm going to need it. God is amazingly merciful and He will save anyone who comes to Him to the uttermost. And He is capable. Jesus said, I will not lose one of these that He has given to me. When we come to Christ and He imputes His righteousness to us, we will be saved. What an amazing, merciful God we serve. Well, I told you, I told you that this would be raw. And I told you it would be real, but I certainly hope you see how relevant this account is. And we live in a world with just as much evil as Lot lived in, if not more. And we have to make decisions on how we're going to handle it. But the thing is, with Jesus Christ, everything changes. We can live in the world as Jesus told us to, but not be of the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to live in fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. 
We don't have to live in submission to those around us who would want to bring us into their sin. Instead, we can be the salt and the light that we're called to be. And I think the key to this whole thing is, what we want to learn from Lot is, I don't want to live in compromise. And if that's you tonight, if you know that you've been compromised, then you want to take advantage of God's great mercy. And you want to confess that sin to Him and you want to be set free from that tonight. And Jesus will do that for you. Turn from it. Change. Ask God to do the work through the power of the Spirit in your life. And He will accomplish that. You know one of the awesome things about this message tonight is that we end it with God's mercy and the knowledge of how much God loves us and cares about us and how Abraham was an example of that to Lot. If this chapter got your attention and you have not met the Lord Jesus Christ, we certainly want to give an opportunity for you to reach out and find him. He's not far from each one of us. And even though Lot blew it, he is still celebrated in the New Testament as a righteous man. There's hope for all of us. But, you know, Lot really needed some to do some repenting, I think, after this. And, um, you know, you may need to do the same. I think every day we probably have several things we need to repent of. But the first and foremost thing is meet the Lord Jesus Christ because sin is going to be judged but he took our wrath at the cross. And if you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, Coach, I'm going to pitch it over to you. What what should someone do right now if they want to come to know Jesus? Right now, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's like Pastor Michael said, you need to first understand that you are a sinner. You've made a lot of mistakes. You've rebelled against God. And you need a Savior because the Bible teaches that there is a judgment and a wrath for those who have not accepted his substitutionary death on the cross for their sin. So turn away from that sin, turn toward God, receive Jesus' substitutionary atonement for your sin on the cross. Make him not only your savior, but your Lord by saying, Lord, I wanna follow you all the days of my life, and I wanna live life according to your rules and your purposes and your will. And uh, it, you just need to do that, and God will take care of the rest. And get back to church. If you're not going to church right now, get back to church, and don't just go to church, be the church. Decide to go somewhere where you can serve, you can plug into a ministry, you can use your gifts for God's glory. And make the most of your time, because the days are evil, and we live in a crazy world, and man, our only anchor, our, our only hope is Jesus Christ. Hey, if you'd like to go back and review this message, or just need more information and stuff on the, the church behind this ministry, it's livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire on a Sunday or a Wednesday night, hey, we happen to be teaching through Revelation on Wednesday night, so come out for that, 7 o'clock. But you can find out information, service times, directions, ministries, all that stuff. And you can also donate to this ministry. We need your help in prayer and support at livingtruthradio.org. So on behalf of Pastor Coach Chris Van Hook, this is Pastor Michael Lance. Thank you, Andy Chapel, for helping us out on the board today. We'll catch you all next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. 
You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.